This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. Great show planned for tonight. Former Husker wide receiver Brandon Kinney will be joining us later to talk some football. But first, we need to talk about the letdown in West Lafayette. The Huskers fall to 4-5 and five with a 31-27 loss to Purdue. Just another game where they could not hang on to the lead. Three losses in a row. Tyler, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, uh, this is the game I kind of predicted. I mean, last week I kind of got a lot of shit for picking Nebraska to lose and you know, I was like, oh, you're the pessimist. And I don't know how I became the pessimist of the mudge. But, no, I mean, it, it was it was sad. I mean, you know, you, I was right. I, it was what I thought. We were unable to outperform them in any stage of the game. Um, you know, our defense allowed a backup quarterback to go 6-for-6 six six in the final drive to put the nail in the coffin. So the season just keeps getting longer, fellas. Derek, you thought this was going to be the easiest game remaining on the Big Ten schedule or on the Husker schedule. What does this loss mean to you? Oh, it's atrocious. This this was the easiest game we had. I, you guys can argue with me all you want, but this was the easiest game we had. Purdue was two and six going into this game with half their playmakers hurt. And then to Tyler, you talked about it even worse. We hurt their second string quarterback in their back. Their third string quarterback comes in and kicks our ass. I and I and I told you guys last week, and I and I believe this is what happened in this game was I don't think Purdue beat us. I think Nebraska beat themselves once again. Mm-hmm. And it just seems to keep happening. Purdue was not the better team on the field most most of the game. They just were more opportunistic than we were, and blows me away how we cannot be. We can't finish drives. We can't stop drives. It, well, I, I don't know. It, it was frustrating. So there isn't a single thing that you can point to to say, "Hey, this is the reason that we lost." Offense was piss poor. Defense was piss poor. Coaching was piss poor. Special teams was great. But uh, let's talk about the offense. Derek, what did you think about that offense? Oh, I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm speechless right now. I, I have no clue what to say about this offense. You know, they, they come out firing on our, all cylinders, uh, scored a touchdown pretty easily on one drive, and then our defense gets a touchdown, runs it to the two-yard line. Scott Frost decides to get cute and run a shovel pass and then run a screen pass. And, you know, the touchdown before, we had the ball on the two-yard line. What did we do? We handed it to Didrick Mills. He runs it up the gut, runs it in for an easy touchdown. Why didn't we just do that again? Our our offensive line was finally controlling the line of scrimmage for probably the best game we had, we've had all year for offensive line. And and now we don't trust them when they're actually looking decent and we start getting cute. And I, I couldn't understand that one. I don't know if that made, makes a huge difference. But, you know, the, the defense looked really strong in that first half, getting two interceptions, and we can only produce three points out of that. Yeah. You know, and it was just so – it was a frustrating game. Uh you talk about the coaching. I, I normally I don't like to, to complain about Scott Frost's play calling too terribly much, but but come on, you know when we started this game, the first couple drives, 
First down, we're throwing downfield. We're throwing downfield. The rest of the game, it's third and eight. We're running screen plays and run plays. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Throw it downfield. I mean, I, it may, yes, it's expected or should have been, but have been expected. But unfortunately, all these defenses are picking up on what we're doing and seeing all these screen passes and going, oh, well, we know what we're going to do on third down. They're going to run a screen pass. <laughs> Left or right. Oh, well, the guy's over here. So <laughs> it's, kind, it's, kind of, it's kind of like uh, watching. You remember we, when we used to complain about Frank Solich when it was always option left, option right, every play. Yeah. And it just kind of kind of reminisce of that. It was like, geez, guys, come on. Even I know what you're going to pull a call here. Tyler, what are your thoughts on the offense? I mean, Derek really said it all there. I mean, you know, play calling was very questionable. I mean, the goal line play calling was just – was really weird. Um, you know, I, I guess my thing is is we got to learn how to run the ball. And, and, you know, Wandell Robinson has been a playmaker all year. The guy, the guy averaged 2.1 yards per carry on Saturday. The guy's a stud. He's a great part of the team. Dedrick Mills averaged three yards a carry. I mean, Adrian Martinez was pretty hobbled, only had 58 yards. I mean, it, it just – we can't run for 129 yards against a team like Purdue, which is one of the worst run defenses in the country. Um, you know, on the passing side, Martinez did not play his best game. You know, Justin, you told us the stat that we ran 17 swing or uh, screen passes. Somehow, miraculously, we still averaged 11 yards per completion, which is actually a pretty good number. But yeah, I mean, I you know he did not look his best. All right, so let's talk about this quarterback. Hold on, hold on. Oh, go ahead. Be- before, before you move on, I just want to talk one more thing. I mean, that second half, you know. We had five drives in the second half, five drives. We scored on three of them, a field goal and two touchdowns. So there were times that the offense looked fairly comparable. Whatever. I I don't know what I'm trying to say. There you go. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. So, So there were times that they did look good. But then, lo and behold, it's when it matters most, last drive. You, th- you finally throw down the field a little bit on a fourth and four, and defensive line knocks the ball down. Like, come on. Hey, can I ask a question about that? So we had a timeout remaining there, and we did not use the timeout on that fourth down. Why? Do you guys know why? Is there any advantage to saving that? I I mean. Not at that point. I mean, the clock's running. You're going up to fourth down. You just will use it and. Was it obvious to everybody, like in the stands and watching on TV, to say, "Coach, call a timeout"? I mean, the only person that wasn't going to call a timeout was Frost. I don't know what he was saving it for. I mean, you—it was do or die at that point. So that that was completely perplexing to me. I it, it was, and I remember saying it. And I remember screaming at the TV, going, "Why are you not using your timeout? Get get a good play for fourth down." Yeah. Like it is do or die time. If you lose a ball, you're done. Yeah. I don't I just did not get that play call there. Well, the play call is probably fine, but uh just not using the timeout. I don't know. Tyler, what do you what do you think there? I, I you know, I tend to agree with you. I will tell you this. That was a situation, you know, Frost burns that timeout there. You know, does he get crushed if we complete it and we run out of time later? Why did you burn I mean 
man, you're in a situation at that point. You know, it. You needed a chunk play. You need that timeout. I. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, obviously he should have used it. You know, I, I. I just think he was in a really bad spot there, and I don't think there was an obvious call about that. I. I don't you think, think it. it I don't know. Do you think he panicked? Did he panic? I. I mean. I don't know. Panic's the word I would use. I, I don't know. That that's a. I to me that's a hindsight's twenty twenty. I I don't agree that that was a hundred percent obvious. There was what fifty seconds left at that point. Forty eight seconds. We need to go eighty yards. You have one mm-hmm. timeout to do it. It's fourth and four. I mean, I I don't know what. Are you trying to draw up the perfect play there? Because the problem is, if at that point, if you do call your timeout. You're going towards the sidelines for the rest of the game. The middle of the field is pretty much dead to you, unless you can get like a 30-yard chunk play somewhere in there. Well, all you got to do is get a first down to stop the chains. I mean, with that little well, bit can, of time, you're not... Cha- I mean, it stops the chains stops for a the second. Cl- yeah. I mean... Sure. It, I, I just... I get... You, at that point in the game, if you blew that timeout, to, unless you could pull off a 30-yard play, um, I think some of the play calling before that was panicked. I mean, you had a minute left, which is quite a bit of time. I mean, with I mean, really, with that fast-paced offense he wants to run, that's a lot of time. When you're at that 42-second mark, it, it's pretty much done. Well, f- fortunately, we get to keep that timeout for Wisconsin. Go ahead, Derek. So I, I just want to talk about a few more, uh, not really offensive or defensive things, that really frustrated me in this game because there were so many things that could have frustrated anybody in these games. But, you know, we sit here every week, week in and week out, and we talk about, you know, what do we need to do to win this game? We need to win the turnover battle. We need to not get stupid penalties. Uh, we, you, you know, get some pressure on the quarterback. Well, all of a sudden we get three sacks for, 20, for negative 22 yards, which, I mean, it's not great, but that's good. That's decent. We only had three penalties to their 10. Like, and you win the turnover battle, and yet we still cannot find a way to win this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, keeping it with the offense here, uh, talking about the quarterback play and Martinez struggling. Uh, Derek, did you think that you know it might have uh, been worth it just to see what Vedral could do there? Oh, this is a loaded question. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Uh, was it worth a try? Maybe. I don't know that throwing him in cold was really going to help. But again, like I said in the second half, you scored on three of your five t- your five drives. Uh, you, you know, you talk about the offense struggling. We only had two three and outs the whole game, so it wasn't like we weren't moving the ball. And that that again, that's why it's frustrating. I. Ugh. <laughs> Finish your drives, guys. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Blown up. A lot of missed opportunities there in the first half, for sure. Tyler, what do you think? Do you think uh, federal time should have been there? Well, no, I don't. I, I Guys, I, I like Noah Vedral. Noah Vedral is, um, you know, he played really well against Indiana. I, there is no evidence to support the fact that Noah Vedral would be a better quarterback than Adrian Martinez. Best game any Husker quarterback has played this year. Illinois, Adrian Martinez. The the record of Noah Vedral, 0-2. Okay? Uh, season stats. Almost identical same passer rating. Different uh, um, 
more rushing yards per attempt for Adrian Martinez. Big game situations, better, more games under the belt. Everything points to Adrian Martinez as the better option. And Derek, you hit one of my biggest points there. Everyone wants to say you pull Adrian Martinez. Well, you know what? The very first drive of the second half, we went and scored a field goal. Okay? The third drive of the second half, we had the ball. We scored a touchdown. The fourth drive of the second half, we scored a touchdown. I don't know when you wanted to pull him and what you thought was going to happen. I, I get that he missed a wide open Noah. That was a bad pass. The interception, bad pass. So, so or, or is the argument that Noah Vedral this whole time has been better than Adrian Martinez and Adrian Martinez shouldn't have even started the game because that's really the argument here. It, it's not, well, pull him. Well, then, then everything would have turned around. The second half, our offense was fine. The second quarter is when we missed it. I mean, I again, I, I'm I'm not here saying Adrian Martinez is great, and I don't want to bash on Noah Vedral, but this this is a lazy take by people. That this it's just it's lazy. It's the backup quarterback's the best option. That's what this is. Well, I think what some people would point to is that uh, Adrian Martinez did not look like the same Adrian Martinez that you know was that we thought he was going to be. Uh, he's coming off of a layoff. He clearly did not look uh, uh, anything above average. I mean, he looked very average, maybe even a little bit below average. And then you have Noah Vedro, who's coming off a game. He's been practicing with the ones. Uh, he looked pretty darn good against Indiana, who yeah. Indiana has a better defense. And all the missed opportunities that Adrian Martinez had with the short field. I get it. Play calling was there. But there's just so many, uh, so many plays left out there on the field. His indecisiveness to run the ball, he he just did not look good. So whether it was maybe it was hampered by this lingering injury or whatever, you know we, we talked about it last week with uh, when we were grading Noah Vedral and Luke McCaffrey. I mean that maybe that puts uh, Adrian Martinez on a shorter leash. And when you go out there and you see Adrian Martinez not performing and leaving points off, I mean, we were down at halftime and we should have been up big. So, yeah, I mean, I can see why people would want to see Noah Vedro. I was one of them. I wanted to but see we, Noah Vedro. But we talked. We we also talked about the play calling. Yeah, you had the ball on the two yard line. You got cute, and it, and it didn't work. Uh, I think Scott Frost tried to get cued a few other times throughout the game. And, and again, you threw away too many screen passes. Uh, I, I don't know how much of that's on Adrian Martinez. I, some of that's on play calling. Yeah, And and, and again, you, you know, you talk about Adrian Martinez. And again, there, I'm not saying everything was a great pass. And Justin, you hammer me for not looking at the stats. But there was three passes that Adrian Martinez made for more than 15 yards in the air that wide receivers dropped. Okay. Now, you could argue that that Jack Stoll one that he was pretty damn wide open that was behind him and that was a bad pass still hit the guy. Still hit the guy. And and you got to make plays and and again, is he is he the Adrian Martinez that we all thought? The answer is obviously no. I just want to know this is a guy Noah Vedral going into the year was fighting for the second string spot. He is not 100%. Coaches have said as much. He is not a four-star top ten quarterback. He is not the guy that has won four out of before went four games this year. He's the guy that's zero and two in games. Statistically, hasn't done as well as Adrian. I just 
I get that he played a good game against Indiana. He also made a fumble in the red zone that probably ended up causing us the game. So don't tell me Noah Vedral doesn't make mistakes. Don't tell me there's no way he would have thrown that interception that Adrian Martinez made. I've seen him make boneheaded plays. I don't know why I have so much hatred for a Nebraska kid. I, oh I really God. don't. I, <laughs> see, this is, the pro- this is the problem with this. It, is that it, does, but, well, it just bothers me. And, and, and I don't know why it bothers me because it's always been this way. Whether it's Taylor Martinez, whether it's Tommy Armstrong. My God, Nebraska, if you listen to any fans, we haven't had a good quarterback since Scott Frost. Eric Crouch got crushed by half the fans half the time. I mean, no, there is not a quarterback that's ever done shit at Nebraska, apparently. Because uh, if you listen to any fans, and you listen to Justin over here, it's always the backup. Put Joe Daly in. Screw Jamal Lohr. Put Joe Daly in. Screw Joe Jay Taylor started. Martinez. Put put Cody Green in. Where the hell it is? I mean, it's it's a joke. All right, Tyler, you're pretty fired up, so I'm going to give you a break here. Derek, let's talk about the defense. Oh, now you're going to get me fired up. <laughs> oh, this great. is where the problem with the game was with me. Here's, oh my goodness, come on, defense. Uh, this is third, three games in a row we haven't shown up. Uh, and it's, it's the same thing every damn week. It's not that they don't show up. They just forget to show up for three or four drives. You know, uh, the first half of the Purdue, they went punt, punt, interception, punt, interception, and then they finished off the second quarter with touchdown, touchdown. Then they went to the second half and went punt, punt, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Like, come on. Why can't we just keep playing defense? Like, why did we give up on defense? There were plays where the defense just really struggled and couldn't tackle. The tackling it was just completely piss yeah. poor on a few on a lot of some of those drives. Here, here here's the here's my other problem. So Purdue has four touchdowns in this game. First one was 10 plays, 89 yards for an average of 8.9 yards per play. Second one was 12 plays for 96 yards for an average of 8 yards per play. Third one, 13 plays for 78 yards for 6 yards per play. And then 12 plays for 82 yards at 6.8 yards per play. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, guys. This is ridiculous. It's bullshit. You can do better than that because you proved to me you could do better than that because on the rest of their drives, they had 23 plays and only got 48 yards. Yeah. You know, I mean, your four touchdowns was 47 plays, 345 yards. Come on. You cannot tell me you cannot do better than that because you proved to me on seven other drives that you can do better. Well, but on those other five or other four or five, you can't do shit. One of the things that we talked about in the podcast last week uh, was, you know, we kind of mocked Purdue's running game. You know, th- their lack of running game, I should say. And, you know, damn, they, they found a running game against us. Uh, and, t- and who t- ran the ball? Who ran the ball? The damn quarterback ran yeah. the damn ball. Tap me a tap A guy who, a guy who can't friggin' Tyler's, run the ball is running the ball all over us. So Tyler's going to have a stroke trivia over fact. here. Go. How many yards rushing does J- uh, Jack Plummer have on the season? Now or before now, the game? Now. now. Oh, I, I don't. I have no 56 idea. 56 yards. I would say in the negatives. 56 yards. How many yards did he have against Nebraska? 65. 
Oh. Yeah. I mean, 61 net. But point is, he ran, he had negative yards going into the game. This guy is not a mobile threat. And he freaking goes out there and has 83 positive yards against us. Yeah. I mean. Well, it, does, it doesn't help when you have an Alex Davis coming in on a blitz, wrap him up, and then fall down. I, I'm sorry. He I, literally fell down trying to tackle him. I, I, I. I don't like to be this guy, but I'm tired. There's a few guys on this team I'm tired of, and I and and, and fortunately they're mostly seniors. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I I don't have I only got three more games to have to watch and play. But I mean, Alex Davis is one. I and I I the guy plays hard and he's in the position to make plays. And if if that meant a f- fucking one ounce of anything. That would be something. The guy is in the position to make like eight plays a game, and he can't make one. And and again, you know, Lamar Jackson played a, actually a pretty good game, good in coverage. But there was a play he just stood and watched. I just Derek mm-hmm. Craig. I don't know what happens to this team. There's amnesia. I, at, at one point in time, I said this was uh, you know the best defensive line in the Big Ten, and got mocked and. Aaron Sorensen came on and even said, yeah, this is a pretty good defensive line. And, you know, I still think it's a pretty good defensive line. I really do. At the end of the day, I still think it's a good defensive line. But this defensive line up. this defensive line will, like, they take naps during the game. <laughs> they do. There's just, there's moments where they don't, they don't get any push. They, the pass rush is unbelievable. They should be dominating Purdue's offensive line. There was a, there was a run they ran up the middle. I don't know if whose fault this is, but Mo Berry could not have been any more out of position. And I, again, Derek, I, I don't know if I blame the offense more, or the defense more. I mean, this is probably the besides Ohio State, like uh, this is like the most team loss that I've seen this year. There was nothing, nothing good about this team this Saturday. No, and yet everyone hates well, on Adrian Martinez. No, they're <laughs> there are some good things. Special teams look good. Right? Well, sure. We had two block punts. Yeah. We had we went two for two on field goals. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, there was an improvement there. I mean, I, that, that's I, the only glowing thing that you can say about this game no, because the rest was bad. I, I, it's not, though. Like, defense had two turnovers. All your offense had to do was capitalize on them. And two good I, that, turnovers. That, Two good yeah. turnovers. They were good two turnovers. The first was one was great. Darian Daniels yeah. intercepting a damn. Oh, took it to the two yard line, and we can't do nothing with it. We get a field goal out of it. Uh, penalties. We, we were disciplined in this game. We only got now. I'll say I think the referees were kind of rooting for Nebraska in this game, and yet we still couldn't win. But I, you know, it's very seldom we could sit here and go, "Oh, the referees were on our side," but they were. Like, we only had three penalties called against us in the whole game, and one of them I, was a 15-yard stupid penalty. Yeah, JoJo's uh, jo, jo, jo spike. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, oh, man. They had 10 penalties for 89 yards. They basically gave us a touchdown. And we Again, we couldn't capitalize on it. All right. Well, let's end the misery here. You know, we got... A better game. Well, shoot, we got Wisconsin coming up, so it's going to be more of the same the next time we talk. But you know what? As far as this episode goes, let's let's leave Purdue where it is. We got Brandon Kinney coming up, so that's going to be fun. But first, we need to talk about uh, something we trust and use, and that's my bookie. 
MyBookie is the premier place to bet all your favorite pro and college sports action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. Best part is, if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit that you can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code LATEFEES to activate the offer. That's promo code LATEFEES, one word, double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. We are now joined by former Husker wide receiver Brandon Kinney. Brandon, welcome to the Husker CuzCast. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. All right. So, Brandon, tell us what you've been up to since your playing days at Nebraska. Man, living life, daydreaming about football every day, (laughs) majority of the time. But, no, man, I'm living life. I live in Omaha, Nebraska. I work at, at Zenith. So I'm a sales rep at Zenith, so I sell football equipment to um, high schools, youth teams, colleges, um, whoever needs a helmet, I got helmets. So um, I cover four states. I cover Nebraska, Iowa, um, Kansas, and Missouri. Um, so I travel a little bit, just going from place to place, and just kind of networking and making relationships, and I'm hoping to you know, get the Zenith product in a lot more schools. So. Well, speaking of products, tell us about Red Fan Nation. Absolutely, man. It's a um, it's a company I started, a clothing company. Um, I started about five years ago, but I called it Husker 84. Um, and I was doing it more so blindly because I didn't have the, um, the the credentials to sell actually like Nebraska stuff and the, the trademarks things. And I found that out. So I kind of went under under the grid for a long for a little while. Um, and it was always a dream of mine. Um, and I just kind of researched, uh, got with some good people. That helped me out too as well, and I relaunched and called it Red Fan Nation, um, and I just kind of came up with some different, you know, catchy sayings and, and, and cool slogans and things like that to kind of, you know, give Nebraska fans a, a different feel and, and a more, um, let's say, if you want to call it an urban feel. Okay, so let's talk about your playing career. You played at Nebraska 2009-2011. Those were some really good teams back then. A <laughs> yes. lot of great players. Yes. Uh, yes. Tell us some of your favorite memories back from your playing days. The memories, and, and as, as weird as it sounds, uh, it's, it was it was always the locker room. Um, as much as much fun as we had in games and at the hotels, playing around, just being with your teammates, it was always the locker room. And it was so funny because you'd be out on the field, and it'd be you know late in the practice, and it's like that last period, and everybody's dreading like, dude, can we get out of here? And then you get in the locker room, and then everybody got all the energy. We running around, we jumping out the cold tub, we acting silly. So um, those memories were the best. Will Compton is usually posting something on Instagram every Thursday, um, like some videos and memories and stuff. That's the coolest stuff ever. Some guys are like, dude, do not go that deep in that archive. It's gonna be ugly in there. <laughs> <laughs> So let, let's talk about some of these uh, great players that you played with. I mean, Absolutely. you you played uh, across the way from Larry Asante, Eric Haig, uh, Gomes, Prince, Dennard. I mean, who was the toughest defender that you ever had to face in practice? Oh, goodness, man. That's so, that's so funny. When people used to ask me who was the toughest defender in the Big 12, I would always say Alfonso and, and Prince, always. Because those were their battles, and that's what was the the hardest matchups that me Niles, uh, Mike McNeil that we ever faced um, was in practice. So I would say out of the two though, Prince was a cheater though. Prince always sat on a lot of stuff. <laughs> 
So I, I couldn't stand him. He told me a story about him and Eli. They used to get into it in practice because Eli used to tell him to stop sitting on routes, Prince. Stop. Um, but Prince was cheap. But Alfonso was probably the toughest. I think he was the most tough because he was so so fast. He was physical and he can jump too as well. So he was he had it all. He had it all. He was real good. All right. Uh, so we're hearing a lot from Frost about the culture and, and, the, and a problem with the culture right now. Yeah. Uh, some fans are finding that a little hard to believe in year two that the culture is still a problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you, you came in with Polini in his second year. Was there ever a problem with the upperclassmen with culture coming from Callahan era to the Polini era? Not that I w- I could say. Um, I, you know, obviously I wasn't here when Callahan was here. I just heard the stories. Uh, more so horror, horror stories for the most part, but um, I, I didn't see a problem. I really didn't. When I got there, I was welcomed. Um, I felt loved um, immediately. The receiver core accepted me um, and, and, and and took on the attitude. Well, I took on the attitude as far as being physical and wanting to block and just being a big body on the outside. So for me, I didn't feel anything. I, I didn't feel anything but love um, and camaraderie as soon as I got there. All right. Uh so what, what's the best way that Frost can go about fixing this culture? It, it, it's that's tough. A, I, I don't have an answer for it, but yeah, that that's a that's a good question. I, I I do believe he's the guy. I truly do believe that. I think that, and I've always said that um, that he has that old school feel. Um, I feel as far as the tradition and, and culture, but he, he, he has that um, simplicity and understanding of, of the new school and knowing the type of kids and what they like and, and, and being genuine and being upfront and real with them. Um, so I, I think he has that down, but I just don't, I don't know. Like you said, hearing the kids aren't buying in, it's still like, what is going on then? then if they're not buying in still now, then, there's, there's have to, it has to be something deeper than that. It has to be a problem if they're not, because my thing is you have the savior to me that, that you guys have here. Now you have something you can work with and guys still aren't buying into that. It's hard. It's hard to look at that. It's hard. It's hard. It's very, very hard. It's, it's definitely been a trying season. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. For sure. Uh, so we had, we had a question on Twitter as well. Uh, how did Nebraska prepare you for a career after sports? Well, you know, to, to be honest, uh, I hindered myself and I left a lot out there when I when I left Nebraska as far as using all the tools and um, resources that we did have and we were offered. You know, everyone in that game is thinking, I'm going to the league, I'm going to make a million bucks. I got to get my degree, but yeah, I will use it right away. And I really regret not using um, – the resources and starting the internship and just kind of figuring out what the real world was prior to getting into it. Um, but it, it, it gave what it's done for me though, is, is put me on that, that um, path of understanding the schedule, understanding that I have to be there. I have to do it on time and just going a thousand percent in everything that I do. Um, and sometimes it gets too black and white when you're in the real world. It can't look at everything like football, but that's the stuff I missed. Cause it was so easy. It was just like, if you go to class, you play well, you practice hard, you're going to play. If you don't want to do these things, then you're not going to play. It's one or the two. So for me, it was easy. Um, so th- that's what it's done for me. It's trained me to really work hard, really to outshine the competition. Because it's like, you're not going to work harder than me. I don't care what I'm doing. If I'm, if I'm filing papers, if I'm doing whatever, I'm going to work harder than you at it. And I'm going to make it more fun than you. Um, so that's kind of what it did for me in the real world. 
So, you know, Brandon, you have a unique experience. You're one of a handful of players that had the opportunity to play both in the Big 12 and the Big 10. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about that transition that you felt going from the Big 12 and the Big 10. And then what were some of the differences you felt in the leagues? And maybe talk a little bit about why do you believe the Huskers have struggled a little bit since entering the Big 10? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I would say, you know, for me, the, when we when we were transferring in, we were definitely excited about it. Very, very pumped about just seeing different teams that we, you know, we never played. I was born and raised in Fort Wayne, Indiana, so I grew up watching Indiana, um, the you know, Purdue's and Michigan's, and seeing the big house. So for me to go play in the big house was very, very surreal. I had a lot of family come up from Fort Wayne, Indiana, so it was cool to see that. But I was never a fan of anyone, so I just watched the game. Um, for me, the biggest difference was the DBs were a little smaller um, in the big, um, the big 10, the big 12 has some big guys out there, DB and safety, um, things of that sort. So we knew we had to have our minds right going into those games as far as um, blocking and technique and things like that. Um, but I don't know. I didn't feel, I, I honestly felt when I was there, the big 12 was a harder conference when I was there. I, I can't tell you why I, I, that they're struggling now. I just, again, this is the black and whiteness in me. It's just that I, when I look at this team now and I look at the prior teams, even our teams that I was there for, and and not saying, you know, obviously we didn't win national championships or anything, but we won good games and we, you know, we went far. And the I just don't think the players are, are, are that good. I just don't think they're that good. And, and like, Bo, I, I mean, um, yeah, Muhammad Barry, I love him. I love his game. I love his enthusiasm. I love how hard he plays, but he's not a Levante David, though. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, and, and and that's the difference. You you can see. I don't see a Randy Gregory getting pressure. You know, I don't see a Crick. I, you know, I don't see these things as far as when I'm watching this team. And I just genuinely think they're just not that they're not that good of a football team yet. And I think when you get a few more Wandales on both sides of the ball. Then you'll be working with something. And I think that's what he's doing. I truly believe that he's working that and he's getting that mold fit. Um, but right now, I just, I just, I don't see it in those guys. I really don't. I don't. So when you look at that, you know, and, and that's a really great observation. So when you look at this team right now, obviously mm-hmm. there's a lot of Husker fans out there that are being very critical of this team and, and this coaching staff as far mm-hmm. as player development. And, and I, I tend to agree. I think that the kitchen is not, it's definitely not full. You're not, you're not mm-hmm. going to get a full meal there, but you know, how would you grade these coaches as far as player development right now? Have you seen good development from these coaches? Is there areas you'd like to see more? How do you feel about that area of this game team? Oh, I, I mean, I, I think the guys are good. They, they've obviously done it before when they were down at UCF. Um, I think it's a different game um, and a different animal here uh, being in Nebraska. The, I don't think the, the, the development has been that great. If I had to give it a grade, I'd say maybe a C, C plus. Um, but again, I just, again, the, the players, the, the players that are there, I just don't think they're to that top caliber. Uh, but I don't, you know, I, I don't want to be that that guy that's picking and nitpicking, you know, within the, the program. But I just, I don't know what they need to do to 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 connect with those boys because I know that's what it was for for us. Bo connected with us. Both had our back, but I do think it was to a fault at times. You know, you're in Nebraska. You got to win the people, and the people have to love you. It's not a us versus you type of thing, and I think that's where both failed at. Uh, but I understood where he was coming from because it was like, no, I got you guys' back. We're here working hard. We're in this together. You know, if if someone is saying stuff about them, screw that. You know, screw them. And I and I get that, but 
You can't screw everybody in Nebraska, not Nebraska, because these are the people that feel the stands. You know, you, you got to love on these folks that's here. And you got to appreciate that. So, um, you know, I, I don't I don't know what it is, but I just know what we what we did when Bo was here, and we bought into Bo. We loved Bo. We really, really did. Well, I think you were not alone. A lot of Husker fans did. You, you got a, you brought up something really interesting there. I got to hit on. So mm-hmm. you know, sure. there there was a there was a lot of rumors about the Bo. You know, Bo created this us against the world mentality. Mm-hmm. Did, was that is that a pretty accurate assessment of what it was like under that locker room? Yeah, it, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and but I I don't think it came. I don't think it was from a negative place though. I think it was just as, as being like that parent. That's like. I'm going to protect my child type of field. And that's what we got. It wasn't a like, hey, I'm a coach. I love to hate the fans because, you know, they're they're just here being annoying. No, it was never that. Because, again, these are the people that's filling the stands. These are the people that you're able to do this for, you know. So I don't ever think it was that. But I, I think it was just that protective attitude. It's like, you know, we're in here working hard. We're grinding and 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 we're trying to figure it out. Just example, the Ohio State game, my, my senior year, you know, we're getting – Booed at halftime, and, and granted, if, if Braxton doesn't get hurt, we probably don't win that game. But he got hurt, so it's okay. But at halftime, it's like you know we're getting booed. We're walking into the locker room, it's raining, and then we come out second half. We play our butts off. We win the game. We come back, and then it's like Gatorade, you know, team of the week. And then now you get, oh yeah, it's Nebraska, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like we were just getting booed at halftime, and I think. Mm-hmm. Both took that into consideration. Like, dude, who are y'all? Like, really? Like, these kids are going to study hard. These kids are coming to practice. They're doing everything they need to do. And you boom. You know, so I, I, I understood it. I really, really understood. I did. You know, and, and that that's one of those things as a fan. It's it's tough because, you know, you, you want to be critical of the team and not feel mm-hmm. like you have to blindly support them. But I, I think, you know, everyone on this podcast, and I think most of the fans out there, when you start booing a, your team that you love, that's just, I, I, that doesn't sit well with me. Um, yeah, no, definitely. So y- you obviously is a former Husker grade at wide receiver. You know, you know that position pretty well. Talk to us. You know, we talked a little bit about the coaches development. Talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that wide receiver group and Troy Walters. What yeah, are some I, things that that, team, that group can do better that you see? Um, and what are some things that maybe the, Walters can coach him up on. Well, you know, I, I really don't have a problem with the core. I think they're playing well. I think Spielman really leads those guys. Um, I, I feel like they block well too, as well. Maybe put the ball on the ground a little too much at times, but um, I think that I think you got a good quarter. I think you're really working with something, and I think they play hard um, and, and and they come out and, and they show that. You know, so you know that's only how you're able to get those big runs and those big. Um, plays where Mo was there, um, you know, hitting the outside and things like that. So I think they're, I think they're doing just fine. I genuinely do. I, I would the, like to see, I would like to see a lot of, I would like to see some big body guys though. I would like to see that. Like I, I enjoy seeing the big body receivers. I am kind of, uh, I play favoritism to that, you know what I'm saying? But Stanley, Stanley Morgan was a guy that I loved too. Cause he played big. He wasn't that big, but he played very, very physical. And I love his game too as well. So as far as the talent that's going there at the wide receiver, the talent that we have and uh, the talent that they're recruiting, are, are they on track? Are they doing the right things? I, as far as recruiting, I don't know exactly what's coming in. So I don't want to lie on that far, that, that part. I mean, as far as what they have now, I, I think they're, I think they have a good core now and they're, and they're working with it. Um, I, I still think you just have to have that main guy, that big body guy that, you know, that you can have these jump balls and go across the middle, um, that type of thing. And surround him, maybe surround him with, you know, the speed, quickie, 
um, in, inside outside guys, you know, and maybe add that to it. <clears throat> okay. You're, you're talking about Bo Pelini earlier. So I got mm-hmm. asked Bo yeah. Pelini. He was infamous for his ass chewings. So do you have a really good <laughs> ass chewing story that Bo Pelini gave? <laughs> I do, man. I do. It was, um, uh, was it Texas? It was Texas A&M. It was Texas A&M. The game we lost, I think it was like nine, seven, maybe when we had a million penalties. Yes. Um, I had dropped like either my first pass or first two passes. I know one of them uh, was a drag route across the middle from Cody. It was a little behind me, hit my shoulder pad, but I should have grabbed it. And uh, I came to the sideline, and Bo was like, "Oh, um, uh, he." You know, I'm thinking it's a rhetorical question. He was like, "Are you gonna fucking show up today?" And I'm, thinking to, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I'm talking to myself, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm going to get right. I'm going to show up. And I'm not saying anything. And he was like, I'm fucking talking to you. What? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to show up. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, oh, I was at that game. I didn't know it was rhetorical. I didn't know. I'm freaking out. <laughs> that is hilarious. You know, I was at that game in College Station, and oh, the, all crazy, the calls right? the calls were just terrible. I mean, terrible. even the, even the Texas A&M fans around me uh, towards the end of the game, they were just like looking at me because I'm surrounded by Texas A&M fans, and they're like, <laughs> "Yeah, you guys just got robbed on that call." <laughs> Man. That's the, that game was like that was the craziest thing I've seen. I mean, I, I, we've seen some crazy stuff. I feel like even going to Virginia Tech, you know, seeing fifty five thousand people that loud. You know what I mean? It was we've seen a lot, but Texas and then was crazy. I mean, even after that game, Carl was acting crazy. I'm talking about it was he was snatching cameras from reporters and stuff. I'm like, oh, we got to get out of here, man. This is insane. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that uh, went on there at Texas A and M was the uh, the little infamous Bo Pelini and Taylor Martinez. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, what we, what we happened there? About it, well, you know, and, and all I ever, you know, to this day, I just thought I, what I've heard is that he just went to his locker room and called his dad, and that's you know we didn't really talk about it because we didn't know anything like that had happened until we had seen like the highlights and stuff. We were like, oh man, and then you know a couple guys around that knew, but. We didn't know the extent, but we just had heard that it was something that he went in the black room, called his dad, or asked his dad, could should he play or something along those lines. Okay, yeah, that yeah, that game was nuts. That was uh, man. You got any other good stories to share with us? Yeah, man, it, it, it was even one when I was getting recruited by Bo and Carl. I um, they flew out to uh, Fort Scott Community College, and it was me. Um, he was recruiting me, Jaquan Williams, and Jason Pierre-Paul. And we went to um, our coaches, Coach Sims, Coach Jeffrey Sims. He's at Missouri Southern State now. Um, But him and Carl used to coach uh, a while back in the day at, uh, I think, like Mankato or Lake Mankato or something in Minnesota. Um, So they came to the home and we were there and his uh, coach Sims, Jeff Sims, his wife was cooking spaghetti. So, you know, when we were getting ready to eat at the table, and I've never really ate at a table growing up. You know, we, did, we, we ate wherever. You know, we just did our own thing. So I'm just like, man, do I, do I put my napkin in my shirt? Like, I want to make sure I have my elbows on the table. I'm just trying to be right because, you know, this is the coach that's coming to recruit me. So they, we passed the plates out, and before we can do pray, look anyway, look left, I mean, Carl and Bo just dive in. They're like, man, I'm like, okay. I'm like, I can kick it with these dudes. I can kick it with these guys. <laughs> so that made me feel really, really comfortable after that time. It really did. It made me really feel comfortable, and I could be myself with those guys. 
how much is that with recruiting? How much is it when you look at a program, when you are getting recruited, is it how Mm -hmm. much of it is what the scheme is? How much of it is the success or how much is it just that general connection? It just depends. I feel like the type of player that you are. Um, I'm a very chill, laid back, very genuine um, guy, goofy guy, always up ten, a thousand percent each every day. So for me, it was it was looking for real and looking for honesty. Um, you know, I think some players like different things as far as jerseys, what you're gonna wear, what brand, little tedious stuff like that, which I think makes no sense. But uh, for me, that's what it was. You know, the, the the staff, Coach Gilmore, Coach Watson, both. Um, they were great. They called me and they talked to me about family, about life. Uh, you know, when Arkansas and Mangino and those guys at Kansas was, was were were um, recruiting us, it just seemed like it was a process. They were just going through the mode. I remember going to Kansas and me, Jaquan and, and, and Jason were there again for that one. And Mangino came around. He had an assistant driving him around like a little little golf cart thing. And he came around and he introduced himself. And he's like, yeah, hey, I'm Eric. I'm Mangino, uh, whatever. So he, like, makes a lap around the field on the, on the passenger side of the scooter thing. And he comes back around. And he was like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Coach Mangino. I was like, oh, Jesus, dude, this dude, this dude don't even know that we're here. You don't even know who we are. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, not, I'm definitely not coming here. Uh, but a lot of the other guys were just it was it was just a it was a process. I felt like I was just another player being filed in. And 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 when I would talk to Coach Gilmore, it was like, hey, coach, I had this for this many yards and three touchdowns. And he would say, well, who'd you block? Did you have any pancakes? Did you did you have any touchdown blocks? You know, so those type of things kind to uh, they kind of massage my mind in another manner. And I really enjoyed that part of it, the genuine piece. So cool. we we talked a little bit about you being in the Big Ten and the Big Twelve. So you got mm-hmm. a chance to really travel all yeah, over. Absolutely. Uh, what was your favorite place to play and your worst, the least favorite place to play? Oh man! Outside of Nebraska, we'll, 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 we we know we have the greatest fans, right? So we'll <laughs> we'll leave that alone. But <laughs> uh, I thought. I mean, it was a lot of them, man. Man, I, I was very, very fortunate, very lucky to come in when I did. Um, I think playing in Dallas Stadium, I mean, I got to play there two years in a row. That was such a blessing, so very cool. My, I mean, my neck was hurting after the game because I was on the sideline, like looking up at the screen the whole time. It was just enjoyed that so much. So um, that was another place. Washington, playing at Washington was great. That was so fun. We didn't expect it to be that loud, that much red there. Um, that was very cool. I think. <laughs> The place I didn't like playing at the most was either I'd probably just say Missouri or Colorado. Colorado's fans are like right there on you. They're like right behind you. So they're saying and saying the craziest things ever. Um, Missouri <laughs> fans were a little worse too as well. They were real, real bad. But I'd say maybe if I had to choose, maybe those two out of those. Where did you play in Missouri that Thursday night game? Yeah, the rain. Yeah, that game. rain. Yeah. I was also yep. That was oh, that the, the power went out half the stadium and oh, oh that that was a brutal that was a brutal game that, that was we crazy. won we yeah. won though yeah when we came out that second half I was like dude we are not, we we are we are a different type of animal because we came in we just turned it on man we played football and I was like this is what it's about right here this is what yeah. it's about. All right, Brandon, we're going to have to let you go here, but my God, we could listen to your stories all night long. So hopefully you can come back and talk to us. Absolutely, man. Whenever you guys would love to have me again, and I'm more than welcome to do so.
Hey, go ahead and throw out your Twitter handle so people can follow you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's Red Fan Nation. Um, it's at Red Fan Nation. Instagram is We Are Red Fan Nation. You can like on Facebook too as well. Um, I know we're a little down right now, so a lot of people may not be buying a lot of Nebraska stuff, but very cool stuff. A lot more stuff on the way. A lot more jersey giveaways on the way too as well. So awesome, Brandon. <laughs> well, come back and see us. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Have a great night, guys. You too, right. man. You too. All right, thanks. thanks. Bye. Uh, let's take a quick time out to hear from another great podcast from the Big Heads Media Network. <laughs> they don't do it That's like good. That. Okay, cool. So uh, who says what? So I'm We're saying podcast. You say that. So I'm saying five. Beth. Four. Three. Two. One. one. Hey there, I'm Dave. I'm Beth, and I'm Veronica. And we are the Happy Hour. We're a podcast dedicated to the most decorated NHL franchise of all time, the Montreal Canadiens. A casual listen by Habs fans for Habs fans. We have new episodes every week, so have a listen. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, let's get into the games of the week. These games are picked straight up. Tyler, what are the updated standings? Let me get my handy-dandy notebook out. So last week, uh, with the Purdue game, the only good thing about Purdue beating us, I have taken the lead. I am now forty-five and eleven on the season. Derek, you're in second and forty-four and twelve, and Justin is back to it where he belongs in last place at forty-three and thirteen. All around, hey, we keep doing pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah, we're doing pretty well in this. So uh, this segment is actually a is a is a positive this year. This is going to be our best season unless we absolutely uh husker the bed the last week of the seasons well let's not husker the bed but we got some really good games to pick this week guys uh first game here number 18 iowa at number 16 wisconsin wisconsin's eight and a half point favorites tyler i'll tell you i i I almost like wisconsin with the points here i guys i i i've gotten a lot of shit by saying i don't think i was gonna score on us well, I'll tell you this. They're definitely not going to score on Wisconsin. I, I was not going to be able to move the ball. Iowa's defense is good, and if they were at home, they might have a shot on Saturday, but they're playing in Madison. I like Wisconsin big in this game. Derek? Uh, I, I tend to disagree with you a little bit. Uh, Wisconsin's on a two-game losing streak here. I wonder where their head, where their mind's at. Uh it's it's in Wisconsin though, and I I think that they probably pull out the the win slightly, and I, a lot of it's gonna have to do with uh, you're right. Iowa's not gonna be able to score, but I'm not convinced I, that that Wisconsin's gonna be able to score a lot on on Iowa's defense either. So I think it'll be a low scoring, boring game, but Wisconsin will pull out probably like a six to three kind of game. Six to three, ouch. I have Wisconsin here. I tell you what, Wisconsin was one of those teams when they started off the year. I mean, we were thinking, wow, these guys could be a playoff team, you know. But now they have really set back, you know, after the, with their loss with Illinois. They kind of looked a little bit human uh, previously against Northwestern. I don't know what to expect out of this Wisconsin team. But I will take Wisconsin here, but I don't know if they cover here. Uh, number 20, Kansas State at Texas. Texas is six-point favorites. Der- Tyler. This is probably the toughest game for me to predict all weekend. Um, but one thing I do know, there will be points scored in this game. Um, you know, Both of these teams have shown the capacity to score high volume of points throughout the season. 
Um, but at the end, I think Texas is probably just a little bit better than Kansas State at home. So I'm going to go with Texas winning this game. Derek? Uh, you need to lay off the dispensaries there, Tyler. Uh, Kansas State's got a real defense, guys. They're stopping some teams. They're 26th in, in scoring defense right now in the country. Uh, I, I think their defense holds up. Uh, it's amazing. Texas actually has a worse defense than Nebraska in both scoring and total defense. They're, you're right. Kansas State's going to score some points on Texas, but I don't think Texas can keep up. I think Kansas State wins. I have Kansas State also. I was uh, super impressed by what they did uh, against Oklahoma last week. Uh, Texas, they are not the team that people thought they would be. So give me Kansas State. All right, we have number 11, Baylor. Two-and-a-half-point favorites at TCU. Big rivalry game here, guys. Tyler. You know, TCU is the one game I got wrong last week. And TCU is a team that, like, I every year I'm high on them, and they just disappoint me. And you know what? I'm going to ride the TCU bandwagon again. I like TCU to end this nice run Baylor's been on. I got TCU on Saturday. Derek? I wrote down zero notes. I wasn't really sure why we were calling this game. I don't know why the spread is this close. I think Baylor runs away with this. I don't think TCU is a good team. They beat Texas, but we've discovered that Texas isn't that great either. So I think Baylor runs away with it. Yeah, I like Baylor in this game. I think I think the spread is down so low because Baylor struggled against West Virginia, West Virginia last week. They were clearly looking ahead to this TCU game, this TCU team that they absolutely despise. And I live here in Waco, so I'm going to go with the hometown team. Baylor covers in this game and stays undefeated. All right. Hey, number five, Penn State. Six and a half point favorites at number 13, Minnesota. Tyler. Yeah. You know, I said a little bit ago that that Texas-Kansas State was the toughest game. This was easily the second toughest game. Guys, Minnesota is for real. Um, I, I really do believe that. I think they are for real. Um, unfortunately for them, they are playing one of the best teams in the country on Saturday. I don't think their home field advantage is going to be that great. I, they haven't sold out yet, even though I have one of my employees flying up for that game. He's a Minnesota alum. Um, and he was able to get cheap tickets because somehow this is the biggest game in the history of Minnesota football, and they're not there. Regardless of which, Penn State's too good. Um, the, the, there might be the real deal this season. Um, I like them to win a very narrow game on the road. Derek? I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think Penn State is the only team in the Big Ten that can hold up to Ohio State, possibly. And I'm not even sure if they can do it. Uh, Minnesota still hasn't played anybody. Uh, they, they haven't played a ranked team all year. I, I don't I, – I just I don't, I don't – I don't have faith that just because they're 8-0 that they've – Faced, now they're going to face a good team, and I think they're going to learn what Penn State can do, and I think Penn State will destroy them. I don't know if they're going to destroy them. I think this is. I think this game is going to be very tight. I think this is a game that's going to go in the fourth quarter. I think Penn State is going to just going to edge it out just because they have better talent. But my God, as much as I hate PJ Fleck, God dang that he's had a hell of a season, hasn't he? Uh, so it's going to be a good game. Best game of the night, though, has got to be number two LSU at number one Alabama. 
Alabama's six and a half point favorites here. Uh, Tua is game time decision, I guess. Tyler, what do you think here? Well, Tua practice today. I think he is going to play. I think that gives Alabama the edge. It's in Tuscaloosa. Um, I think the home field advantage plays here. I think Alabama wins this game um, at home. Derek? All right. Uh, the over-under for this game is 64, and I don't know if there's ever been an Alabama-LSU game but the over-under has been that high. Uh, both offenses are really, really good. Both defenses are pretty decent. Uh, the problem is I believe in Saban a lot more, and I believe in Farmer Fran Orgeron. Uh, <laughs> at, at, the, at the end of the day, I thought – LSU has not beat Alabama since 2011. That's eight straight losses. And before you sit here and tell me, well, LSU's got probably the best team since then, they've been ranked 1, 5, 10, 16, 2, 13, 19, and 3 in those years. So it's not like they haven't had good teams going into this game before, and they still just can't seem to win. And I think Saban beats them again. Yeah, I I have uh, Alabama winning also, but... Derek, I got to ask you, are you going to bet the under in this game? Uh, It's tempting. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're right. Well, they're they're both top 20 defenses. I don't know that 64 is a lot to score between those two teams. And they both have offenses that can score it, but they both have defenses that can shut it down, too. I'd probably stay away from it just because I don't really know which way it'll go. But I, I would be tempted to take the under. All right, well, let's talk about some of our best bets. Uh, Tyler, give the updated standings. Let me flip the page. You took Bama there, Justin? Yeah, I'm taking Alabama. Okay, sorry. I didn't write that down. I was trying to get to the page. So, yeah, uh, congrats you two. You both uh, got last week right. Um, I did not. Uh, bullshit. I'm just – I'll tell you what. This segment, like, if you went to four minutes left in the game, I would be, like, undefeated. I, I have gotten garbage calls are on my segment, but right now I'm still ahead of Justin. Uh, Justin, you're two and eight. I'm three and seven. Derek, you have a winning record at five, four, and one. So nice. Let's, let's uh, you made you've made money, I think. Hey, you know segment. what? But yeah, I've I've lost too much on my other bets, so I don't know. You said I'm two and eight. Wasn't I zero and seven? Yeah, I was zero got- and seven, and so. I'm I'm a you know I'm a positive guy so I'm two and one last three weeks yeah yeah so so I I, I got the rest how are the rest of your bets doing fantastic bought a new Camaro yeah but but bookie can you can <laughs> confirm or deny this so uh... Uh, they're not listening uh, <laughs> but hey let's get into our best bets uh, now Tyler what's your best bet of the week. So, I, you know, this best bet of mine, and I really love this one, but this one almost, like, is a nut punch. Because my best bet is UCF minus 17 against Tulsa. Um, I, you know, I, I really like this game at 16 and a half. I'm honorable. I didn't quite get it there. I wish I would have. Um, but I, I think UCF is still capable of moving the ball. I'm not a buyer in Tulsa. Um, so I, I got UCF winning this game. Really big. Derek. All right. Uh, Lovey Smith has made a believer of me. I, I The guy is 
turned this season around. He's five and four. He's probably going to go to a bowl game, and I think it could happen this week against Michigan State. So therefore, I definitely am taking Illinois a plus fourteen and a half. All right. You know what? Uh, I don't want to put a jinx, but you know, since I am, I got the hot hand going on. That is actually the game that I had as my best bet. Also, this game opened up at twelve and a half. It caught my eye at twelve and a half, but I saw it tonight right before we did the podcast at fourteen and a half on my bookie, and I jumped on that thing. And I was like, "Yep, yeah, that is my best bet." Uh, Michigan State. I don't know if they can blow out anybody by two scores. I mean. Their offense isn't that great. And you're right. Lovey Smith has this team playing focused. They're playing for a bowl game. And how crazy is it? Illinois playing for a bowl game in Nebraska. We got a ways to go here. But, you know, I mean, yeah, good for Lovey Smith. Good for Illinois. And then we're going to cash that one for sure. All right. Last call time. Last call to you, Tyler. So my last call goes to the Husker volleyball team. They just won a huge game against Penn State on Saturday night, a redeeming part of the weekend in a fifth set, uh, you know, spectacular. Uh, they This team is still looking like they're one of the premier programs in volleyball, so we don't talk a lot of volleyball. Uh, my mother, who listens every week, thinks we should only talk about volleyball. So apologize for the F-bomb earlier, Mom, and that's all I have to say. <laughs> Derek she may be on to something maybe we do need to just talk volleyball at least they're winners yeah good Yeah, good for them I mean we can uh, here in a couple of weeks we can start talking about volleyball since uh, football will be over so yeah good for those girls man great stuff alright last call to you Derek alright so Willie Taggart was fired. I'm sure everybody knows this. This is not breaking news. This is not nothing new. Uh, it did happen this week. Today. I think this is an extremely premature situation myself. Uh, I, I, if, if I hear people talking about firing Scott Frost, my head may explode. Because we're in a season, the same boat that Willie Taggart's in. Uh, the, the only thing I can tell you that's different with Florida State is... I mean, they just won a national championship back in 2013, made the playoff in 2014. I mean, he's kind of gotten a better team handed to him than Frost probably did. At any rate, I think a year and a half is way too fast to be firing a guy. Uh, let's say you boys. So I, I, I saw the AD's comments on this, and basically he pointed out that there's no progress being shown. Uh, there's... Uh, declining tickets in the games, uh, declining uh, revenue coming in from next season ticket holders or season tickets. Uh, so that has a trickle-down effect on concessions, parking, etc. So when that starts to decline, man, it's it becomes a dollar. It all becomes about the dollar. And if that guy is not bringing asses in the seats you got to do something else to get asses in the seats to generate some revenue. TV revenue is great, but you know what? They need that stadium revenue. Scott Frost is good right now because we have the asses in the seats and all that stuff. But I tell you what, once if that ever changes for whatever reason, I tell you what, the Golden Boy isn't going to be that safe that long. Tyler? 
Wow, lot to, lot to bite there. I will just say Willie Taggart was always a weird hire out of Florida State. They they were they, you know they really wanted to come off of Jimbo Fisher so quickly. I never really understood that. And then Willie Taggart like kind of screws over Oregon, and now look where Oregon's at. I mean they're they're at a playoff hunt right now, and Willie's gone. Weird situation. Um, but I, I disagree with Florida State. I don't like the idea of firing a coach a year and a half. I don't like firing a coach two years in. I don't like firing a coach three years in. Um, but this is what college football is nowadays, and you know, and that's kind of where we are. So tough breaks, dude. I I tend to agree with you, Tyler, unless you're Mike Riley. Unless, yeah. Yeah, Mike. Hey, look. The bottom line is it's it's college football is a big dollar business. Five million dollars salaries you know you expect results at that much money i mean you do you do and 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 again it's so it's so tough and we'll talk about this i i promise everyone we kind of teased this last we're going to talk about this next week why is nebraska here um and, and this culture thing this is a tough deal this is a weird deal with college football is how is. do you get a culture and what can go wrong and man you could be really talented and miss one little bit and you may not get that second chance. Yeah. So we'll look at that next week as uh, and more. So, hey, special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio What's your together last call, for us. Justin? Oh shoot, I can do my last call. Okay, my last <laughs> call. That's going to be about uh, uh, Nebraska ball. Nebraska fifteen point favorites over UC Riverside tomorrow night. Uh, basketball's back. Football is done as far as nebraska is concerned so let's hope uh hoiberg gets those boys running and we, we need something to cheer about in lincoln right we got it we need something here tyler what do you think i i hope it's a big game i hope i get to watch it um is it even on tv i don't know but uh yeah I, I, that's a really shitty game if it is so i'm sorry for whoever gets bumped if it is but no i mean i hoiberg <laughs> you got a lot of faith in him and another big coach we brought in, he got a lot of faith in. I've seen this message. <laughs> Don't jinx us, Tyler. All right, Derek. Well, get your wins while you can, because I think when we get in the Big Ten, you're probably not going to win too many. Oh, God. You uh, see Riverside, your 15-point favorites. Go ahead and take that victory. Who gets more Big Ten wins this year, Scott Frost or Hoidberg? Well, I don't know if that's fair. <laughs> Foyberg does close. play a lot it more. It could be close. You think so? Oh, God. This is going to be a depressing <laughs> podcast year. I can feel it. I can if, feel it. Maybe you ought to go on the winning percentage rather than games won. Yeah, who has a better win, Big Ten winning percentage? Hoyberg or Frost? Uh, it's, po- it's possibly Hoyberg. <laughs> I, I think it's going right. to be Hoyberg. I mean... I, I right now, I, yeah. it won't be my much, but it might be Hoiberg by a slim margin. 50% of his Big Ten games. No, he, he's not. He's not going to do that close. But, I mean, we're a long way from 50% in football. Hey, we were three hey, games left. I still long think way. bowl eligibility is on the table. Well, you've been drinking bourbon since 6 tonight. So, I mean. <laughs> all right. Okay, Can get, I get give it? the shout-outs. Give the shout-outs. All right, let's let's uh, let's do this. Hey, big thanks to Brandon Kenny for joining us tonight. That was so much fun. We're, we will have him back. Uh, special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. 
Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and now BigHeadsMedia.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next week to preview Wisconsin. See you then, and, and as always, go Big Red. Yeah.